Hello, welcome to Van Building, where we bring insights out of Redfield Builders. This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Antifa Labs. Antifa Labs is a Redfield developer community dedicated to push the boundaries of crypto space by supporting the innovation and success of open source projects. Hello, welcome to Van Building Podcast. Uh, this is about zero knowledge proof hardware acceleration. While we all care about how ZK makes our life better, the tools that makes it easier is also crucial. In the past podcast, we talked about proving systems uh, that might evolve a lot, which is something make proof generation more efficient. And we also talk about uh, ZKML from the perspective of an uh, application and use cases. In this podcast, we move from more software to hardware. So how hardware makes all these ZK thing more seamless and democratized? Welcome our guest, Omar Lomovic, the co-founder and CEO of Ingoyama. And also we uh, we have a co-host today to help me dive uh, deep into some questions, which I might neglect. My friend, Miles, welcome. Omar, would you like to share your uh, personal uh, background and what you are doing right now and anything you'd like to let us know? Uh, sure. So uh, thank you for inviting me, first of all. Um, so uh, my background is uh, a hardcore technical background. Uh, and at some point, I turned into um, an entrepreneur. So this is uh, my second company in Gonyama that is dealing with uh, cryptography and infrastructure. And uh, before that, uh, I was focused more on software and, and uh, I guess a bit um, more into the cryptography and now it's more into the, the math. Um, in both cases, uh, main market focus is, is the blockchain Web3 industry and uh, I mean, previously it was about making it accessible to, uh, you know, the first billion people. Uh, now it's about expanding uh, the boundaries of Web3 and basically decentralized, decentralized everything using uh, cryptography and ma- making these tools, uh, which are like really, you know, amazing, available uh, to anyone inside, outside of the space, kind of like, as I said, just making sure that uh, we take we we are able to use them anyone anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, from academic uh, background, uh, I was a physicist and engineer, electrical engineer, and uh, eventually turned into computer science and cryptography uh, at the time of my PhD, and. Um, yeah, and uh, as I said, like being in the space for um, how much? How much time is it now? I, I, you know, at least since Ethereum started, uh, that's kind of like my uh, main milestone that I remember. So I, I, I have a, a good recollection for when did when this happened. Thank you, and Miles for helping me ask some more interesting questions. So could you introduce yourself? Cool. Yeah. Hi, um, welcome. I'm Miles, your co-host for today's podcast. Thanks to Francie for the invitation. Um, firstly, I will briefly introduce myself. I'm currently a postgraduate student in ZK Research. 
and also an intern at Champ for ZK. You know, um, recently as I have been working on optimization of underlying ZK parameters such as MSM, elliptic curve, finite field operations, and I came across Ingo's impressive achievements in ZK hardware acceleration. We are learning from Inguyama and after communicating with Ellen, I'm now to serve as a Chinese ambassador for Inguyama. And finally, thanks to the Inguyama team and once again, welcome over. Okay, thank you. So what is Inguyama and what is the primary purpose or a purpose or mission of your company? Oma, could you give us a like very uh, brief introduction? So first and foremost, we are a semiconductor company. Uh, now the thing to know about that is that uh, usually these companies, you know, work in, in long cycles. Uh, it takes time to uh, to establish uh, such a type of a company, but at least you know you need to start somewhere. And uh, we are very young. We started uh, not long ago, uh, but that's the DNA. Right? That's the the type of uh, engineering um, and and you know culture that that we have here. Uh, so and that's also you know, part of, of our thinking. So if I'm trying to put aside for a moment where the market or the industry, uh, what's the status of ZK today and trying to just like project into the future and where we want to be, we want to be like the uh, NVIDIA for cryptography. Yeah, I guess that's the best analogy uh, in, in today's term. Uh, basically, it's, it's uh, having, um, in terms of vision, is having, uh, you know, access to zero knowledge from, from any device. It can be your computer, IoT, mobile phone, um, data center, uh, and, and even like more broadly, like there, are, there are other cryptographic uh, primitives that uh, might be useful to remove trust uh, or to increase privacy, which are two main things that we aim to uh, to improve. And again, get make, make it like, well, democratize the access to those. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a long road. So therefore, when I guess for many of, or most of the, the time I'm going to spend here talking uh, about the company, it's going to sound like we do quite a lot of things which are not really in that like direction or focus. But yeah, overall there is this kind of like long-term roadmap that should lead to that, but we need to take into account that eventually we need to go with the market. I mean, part of our, um, philosophy is that it's it, it it wouldn't help for me to just have you know an ASIC in the market today it would not serve any purpose we need to have this ASIC when the market and the industry is mature enough to actually take advantage of it um, and there is education already uh, and and everybody can actually benefit and understand what what it is doing so that's kind of uh, how I see things like there is the long-term uh, ID, which everything should uh, eventually um, align to, but there are many other different milestones along the way uh, to get us there. Yeah, so uh, basically is what is Yama doing is like help us get to the point where we can do really trustless computation, ZK computation. While we look at the uh, traditional internet industry or any groundbreaking technology, we see that like software algorithm, hardware are often 
integrated and optimized to uh, create a cool new ecosystem. So in general, why do we need hardware to accelerate in this ZKP computation? Otherwise, we may not uh, like unleash the potential of this uh, magical ZK. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's a fantastic question. Um, so first, I guess as a general rule in history, usually for uh, a technology to break into mainstream and become successful, you need software, hardware, and algorithms. Mm. Um, if you look at AI, today which is uh, yeah. uh really you know more mature than us you can see that the way that we even measure or like the way that we uh talk about the ai is in terms of system like we start from the hardware like you need to have nvidia um uh, gpu and and you measure performance on that gpu and and you know how to basically play all of like ai models on on that gpu and and therefore you need to build software for that and obviously to improve you and optimize you need more algorithms. Now, the fact that eventually this is what we need doesn't mean that this is how it's starting, right? So obviously with many of these technologies like zero knowledge, it starts with algorithms. So someone in academia 40 years ago, like very, uh, uh, actually few someone uh, managed to come up with this idea. And from that point, algorithms kept improving and kind of like showing us that the complexity can be lower and lower um, until the point where we can uh, understand what is the trade-off that we want to make when we actually approach the industry and try to make this like first breakthrough in, in production system. Now, the first thing you do is you implement it like naively on whatever hardware you have. And the most accessible one is CPU. Um, but CPU was is meant for general purpose computation, right? So most cryptography is finite field arithmetic which is a different kind of a beast. It's like simply, um, there is better thing. It's not like you cannot run it on CPU, but you can do much better if you want it on hardware that can actually was built and designed to support this type of, of mathematics, right? Um, so it means that uh, like in terms of where the industry is, is that we started to use this like software based on CPU, uh, but now we already um, been able using like competitions like ZPrize and companies like my company and ours, being able to observe and 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 uh, and see and, and 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 measure results on different types of hardware, so that we can have this like better understanding of okay, so hardware can actually get you more performance. I mean, so that's maybe um, more of like uh, uh, like to the technical side, but I guess part of the question here is is also why do we even need fast ZKPs? I mean, why cannot I have or it's not just fast; it's also efficient. Like you want them to be cheap. And it, it, it connects in, in a way to what I said before, which is about removing trust. Like in essence, technologies like zero knowledge proofs, other privacy enhancing technologies are aimed to be used by, by end users, by, by us, right? Um, to, to make statesma, statements uh, without centralized parties uh, and to hold privacy. And for that, you want to be able to achieve the same user experience that you have also with Web2 and the internet. So if I need to make now, let's say a transaction and uh, I want it to be private, but it's gonna cost me uh, a lot of money or it's gonna take me a lot of time or it will require some very you know, complex hardware and, and like setup. I don't know, it's, it's something that I'll probably avoid doing. So you want, or part of the reason we use hardware is to bring these uh, requirements to very like similar levels to what we have, um, what we have today with, with, with Web2. And uh, so oh. is hardware always a backbone of blockchain? 
and what makes ZKP computation different from the past POW mining? So, I don't know about statement like hardware is always at the backbone of blockchain. Um, I'm trying to, you know, stick with with what I, I understand uh, like in, in in better terms, which is cryptography. And at least for this type of cryptography, it's very clear that there's like bottleneck and or bottlenecks, and and some of them are compute bottlenecks. Some of them are other bottlenecks that can be memory network, but they can be solved using hardware. Like this is the extension of Moore's law. In a way, if we want to keep improving the, te the technology, we need um, at some point to align with this type of like Moore's law and, and start improving the hardware um, to be able to run ZKPs more efficiently. Now, you can actually uh, use zero knowledge proofs as a way of doing proof of work. There are actually papers that are showing that, and there were even experiments with some blockchains like Alio that um, done something similar. So in terms of exploration, this is something, you know, if I were uh, a mining company and some of them like bought like not Bitcoin, but bought like, you know, a ton of like GPUs for Ethereum, for example, I would explore, and then they are most likely, I mean, most welcome to also uh, contact us, would explore ways in which you can utilize um, these farms, data centers of GPUs and other type of hardware, again, not Bitcoin miners because they are like very specific, but to see what you can do already today uh, in terms of ZKPs. And, and there's going to be probably a use case, and it might also be like early adopters, uh, and maybe the first use case for zero knowledge proof would come from this type of like consensus um, and uh, proof of work. Uh, so it's something that can also help you push the technology, right? If there's this competition and, and different teams want to kind of like push it like what we did with Bitcoin. So eventually it will lead to uh, some even better hardware design. But I guess if you think about it like more broadly, zero notch proof doesn't, do not stop there. Like there, it can be seen as many other things. Like for example, uh, there might be a big market around just adding ZKPs as features in, as a feature in, in AI uh, products, right? Imagine, an AI company that now wants to have this kind of like verifiability using zero knowledge proof. It can be another feature that uh, would require you to either reuse your hardware or uh, buy new hardware. And it might also have requirements that we are not met today with AI um, data centers and, and, and hardware. So we might see in the future some different types of data centers that are tailored for ZKPs and I mean, part of what we do is we try to enable this type of, you know, first just to think and ideate about these data centers and how they would look like, um, and also how they can be put into uh, good use by, by again, end users, right? So how can they be accessible to anyone in a trustless manner? So yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, short, uh, the short answer is that there are similarities, like you can probably like replace proof of work with ZKPs, but ZKPs are way bigger than that in their potential. Okay, so yeah, I heard that you mentioned uh, AI and some data centers. So like uh, beyond blockchain, will we have the trends to see, uh, see the points that we really can adopt ZK in everything. Do you feel there is a huge demand for this? Yeah, and speaking of this, I, I just thought of a use case that 
I'd like to expand upon on, uh, upon it. That is a proof of solvency uh, for centralized uh, exchange. So uh, for the traditional uh, banking banking system, like because at some point there, uh, those centralized uh, exchanges do not generate proof frequently. One reason is that to maintain this proving proving works is so expensive. And sometimes to verify a proof is not that uh, user-friendly. So given these two re reasons, like centralized exchanges are not willing to generate a proof in, in real time and users are hard to verify proofs. Is it a good niche for ZK hardware industry? Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, yeah or any use cases you would like to share? Okay, so just before exploring use cases, just, you know, we need to say that here the question is not necessarily about hardware, but more about the necessity of, of ZKP and, and I would like, you know, even oh, say yes. privacy in general. And uh, I mean, we've been doing that in the company um, uh, since very early on, trying to explore different verticals inside and outside the space. Because basically, I mean, what we can do is we can take any type of hardware and uh, run zero knowledge proofs um, on, on that hardware uh, and basically bring you the full solution. So when you think about it from that lens, uh, it, it allowed us to have conversations with different types of like industries. So just, you know, to give an example, um, like a very far end of the spectrum example, we went into um, cameras and, and like IoT industry. Um, so you have some IoTs that are meant for like surveillance, like you want uh, to monitor some perimeter. And usually what, or, or like one way to do it is by collecting data from data points, like from these IoT devices, uh, doing some processing on the device and then sending it to some centralized server. Um, obviously, there is an issue here because you send, you are sending a lot of data, which is basically noise or nothing, to this data center, uh, to decentralized like server, which basically uh, makes you pay quite a lot of money on that in terms of the storage that it requires. Um, now, still, you do need to have this like logic coming in the in the data center because no way, uh, other way. So you do need to 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 get this data. But what if we can have this like zero knowledge happening at the edge? basically proving, let's say it's running some machine learning model saying that like detecting events. So what if we're gonna run this like ZK at the edge, basically showing that there was uh, nothing happening for like some period of time. So then instead of sending all the raw data, you just send a proof, which as you know, is very, very small, uh, a proof that nothing happened. It's like mathematical proof, nothing happened during that time. Um, I mean, it's something that we actually explored with companies building this type of like cameras and chips doing machine learning on, on IoT cameras. And they were interested. I mean, eventually when this technology would mature, this can definitely be viable uh, for them. And, and as you can see, this allows you to, um, to bottom line, to, to, solve, to, to save money, which is why I use this example. Because not often, you know, there's the ideas. Yeah, we want to have verifiable, we want to remove like centralized parties and so on. But, here I'm basically saying I'm going to save you the cost of of do all, doing all the storage and processing by doing something on on the IoT side, uh, which will compress a lot of data into small proof. Uh, so I think that 
necessity would probably, um, and you know, saving money would probably be one of the leading factors in how this technology is going to get adopted. I can, I can give you another example that like is 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 similar but different. Uh, you know, now there's the um, there's a war uh, when we now record it. There's a war between Israel and, and Gaza, and I think people realize that the actual war is psychological war. Is like how do you impact like the public opinion into which side is winning and get. To kind of like you know continue the war or like get criticized and so on, it's it's it becomes more and more significant. We've seen it with the Ukraine and Russia war. So where is the KP? I think that in future wars, mathematical proofs like zero knowledge proofs are going to be crucial because you want the sensors to be able to prove that they send data which is authentic, right? So then when I try to make a claim about something that happened or did not happen. Now I have a way to back it up mathematically. Yeah, this is an image. It was taken from that sensor. It was not altered. You now see it or a movie, right? So again, here ZKP would emerge out of necessity because eventually uh, war would dictate that this is like uh, like a weapon in a way that would help you uh, defend yourself in, in uh, defend yourself in in a war. There are many other verticals that we've covered in different blog posts along. Uh, since we started the company around gaming and metaverse and AI, there are a few others in the pipeline around um, banking and, and identity and um, ads um, and, and, and privacy with ads and, and like, you know, traffic in the internet. So basically we can just talk all and all, just on and on on, on the topic of uh, um, use cases, but uh, I want to stop just here. And one of the sentences, as you can notice, all of this, or the two examples that I gave, obviously involve hardware. So you cannot escape the fact that eventually ZKP needs to run on some hardware, which is not what we, oh yeah, let me just like, I don't know, take Outworks, run it on my CPU and that's fine. Something is gonna be running on, on like some different type of hardware, which eventually we need to guide, like that's part of what we do, try to guide to which hardware is better uh, more suitable, how do we develop hardware that would support this type of computation and make it like a feasible use case? Yeah, so echo with what you were saying that I just remembered that one researcher in uh, Ethereum Foundation, he uh, once upon a time, he just said like uh, ZK will help the peace of the world like someone doing researching in ZK may win the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, I think it's really amazing that we may do some really stuff uh, with ZK. So upon your background, like uh, we are talking about use case and actually now it's more and more uh, academic, uh, like cryptography academics are moving forward from researcher uh, to the real pro uh, producing industry. How how do you see this uh, phenomenon? So I think there's like no really other way. And maybe I didn't look that deep into that on how other technologies eventually emerged from academia and very kind of like um, theoretical aspects to become mature enough and penetrate uh, and eventually scale in the industry. I know that for my experience, like it worked, like it worked for me before, like in previous uh, life, like my previous company, I took multi-party computation, which is another like privacy enhancing technology. 
And I've, I've seen, I actually, I, I believe I had some contribution in that, seeing this technology mature enough and becoming like a standard. Um, and I think that, I, I mean, I, get, I guess that it's by chance for me, like I was just like at the right place or like focused on, on, um, on uh, my passion, uh, what was my passion, but, but eventually led me to be in a very good position to actually help this transition. But I think that's, that's how you can do it. Like you have to be extremely, and all of the companies, by the way, doing ZK hardware, um, they have like extreme deep tech backgrounds for founders, uh, many of the first members of the team. Uh, you need to have this like strong leg in, in theory, in research. And also you need to have this mentality of, you know, building things, um, launching, uh, deploying, testing, iterating. That's critical. And, and I don't know, for me at least my entire career, that was what, what I was doing. Like I was never doing research. Uh, none of my papers is like full theory paper. I was never doing research without implementation um, and usually also like with open source implementation. So it was always important for me to see uh, who's there on the other end. Most of the research questions that I was exploring came actually from uh, needs and pains that you know you have in the real world. That's kind of like what drive me, drive most of my uh, uh, work as, as, as a researcher. And I think that now when I build a team, I'm or when we're building it, uh, we're building it in, in that image. So we are bringing these uh, members, you know, these PhDs that have or, or had quite a lot of um, experience in actually building products, real-world systems, never doing research uh, standalone. Like, it is important, but if you bring someone like this, you also need to make sure he's, like, uh, connected with the most, you know, the more... Uh, um, and the, the, with the engineers in a, in a very uh, tight way, and there are ways to do that. But eventually you grow as, as, as a company, as a team, so you have this kind of like um, uh, culture around you, which basically says you do the research, but you know that like when you are guided by a very specific research question, um, you must kind of like describe exactly how is it that you're going to eventually go forward with it into real world. Otherwise, it makes less sense. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, that's uh, it's probably not a very uh, objective answer, but kind of like how I think we evolved as a company. So building a company it needs a bunch of work, uh, much research and efforts that you may try a lot of time. So, what is Ingoyama doing right now, and what you guys? Uh, are specifically focusing on. So before we continue, I'd, I'd like to share uh, an observation that I've noticed that many developers are intrigued by ZK proofs, but the complexity uh, of the underlying mathematical uh, theories and algorithms can be overwhelming. So making it challenging to start building. So. I'm, I'm just wondering, is there a more straightforward approach for them to generate a proof? This might, uh, this might be connected to what Ingoyama is working on. Yeah, good question. I think that, uh, and I'm completely biased here, but I do think that our industry, like almost all of it is now focused on building what we call middleware. And it might sound like a bad thing, like where are the applications? But also it's very important and critical to have and build tools that are accessible for developers and allow them to, um, as you say, kind of like uh, remove complexities and, and, and have this like user and developer experience, which is very um, 
uh, intuitive and you don't need to overthink about like the underlying math and, and, and stuff like this. Obviously, you need to expose that as well, but um, this is kind of like, let's say, for power users, for researchers, for, I don't know, some people that want like new protocols and so on. But ideally, most developers would want to have this like ZKP at the, at the touch, like at the one click ZKP deployment, something like this, um, or close to that. So I, I, I see quite a lot of efforts around that. And, and you know, uh, many also just going in that direction, like Starkware, open source in the prover. Um, one, one good example of, you know, it's not necessarily making it easy for others, but now it opens up for many dev teams to build on top and kind of like build the tooling that would allow others to enjoy this like uh, a very sophisticated prover. Um, Aztec doing this now sandbox uh, and, and, and also DSLs like high level language for writing ZKPs. I mean, this stuff become more and more easy with time, and, and it's it's very nice to see. Um, I guess that our focus is is in in a way in the same line with with all of that, meaning that we just understood we needed some time to understand where as an industry we exactly stand in terms of hardware adoption, and um, it it was very clear that today, when a new team of developers is is building a protocol, usually they take something like an existing framework, and then they start tweaking it and optimize algorithms, which still there's a lot of room to do and optimize on software, but they're still missing this part of just running on the right hardware. It's not even like optimizing. It's just like, you know, you need, imagine like, you know, writing an AI paper today, publishing it and using CPU for your uh, AI benchmark and performance. You cannot imagine it, like no one does it. So we need to do the same with ZK. So right now, I think at this point in time, it's just about getting this like standardization, having good way to even measure like what does it mean? Like I see even hardware companies making these mistakes. How do I compare between the different like appliances solutions? Um, so having this like you know best practices in place, allowing teams to deploy on the right hardware. That's our main focus at the moment. So. Can you introduce to primary solution for ZKP acceleration and uh, what's the path that Inuyama takes? So I would say that today uh, we still do not have ASICs for zero knowledge pool. Now we've mentioned mining proof of work before and by, you know, kind of, um, Wrapping, or, or, or this is going to be maybe one type of, of an ASIC eventually, which is going to be specific for an algorithm and some very specific use case, and would not be able to do much more than that, but would do the exact algorithm very efficiently. We don't have yet candidates even for like such specific algorithms like what we have with Bitcoin, for example. And that approach is probably, um, I mean, you know, there are companies in the world that are really good, like in terms of taking an algorithm and making uh, and, and, and doing tape out and an ASIC and packaging it and so on. So, I mean, eventually this is gonna be probably one type of, of business. Um, what we do have today is we have access to uh, quite a lot of different hardware devices that 
for some of them, we already start to understand how they can work with zero knowledge proofs. So CPU obviously was like the most battle tested, but what happens when you try to take ZKPs into the cloud? So today with cloud instances, you have all different like setups and, and uh, configurations. Can ZKP run efficiently in, in the cloud? So that's one path and solution that you might explore. And, and we talk with some cloud providers trying to better optimize the type of instances that can actually support ZKPs, like, I don't know, running scroll. Like today, running scroll in, let's say, AWS is uh, is challenging, okay? It's, it's uh, not going to actually produce you the best results. But we do want, eventually, to get it accessible uh, to anyone. So having it on a cloud instance might be uh, a good solution. Same goes, by the way, with, like, data centers that have this like you know can be configured in, in in different ways and it's still like a good question what exactly should be this type of configuration but going more into the chip level obviously the two um most accessible uh um, categories is gpus and fpgas and here we do start to have a sense of how they work so at least in, in in my company, we started with building IP for hardware, for FPGAs, for ASICs, and you know start to play with how MSM entity all of these problems actually play out on on uh, on hardware, which is like one important insight, and eventually would lead into design that uh, we think would be uh, relevant for a variety of ZK use cases. Like when we started, we thought okay, just like put an MSM, put an entity on on like IPs in in a chip and uh, maybe some hash function, and, and you should be kind of like, you know, covered in many ways, but that's not good enough. So we've changed our uh, uh, design into uh, like basically building the GPK, again, like GPK is like more um, final field elements and such. So we call it a ZPU, like we have uh, this concept of a ZPU, which eventually will be able to be programmable, just like when you program, program GPU today, but would be more optimized for ZK and other type of cryptography. So that's that's one um, one type of of, uh, of exploration and solutions. There's still much more room to explore, right? So ideally, you want to run the entire ZK end to end hardware, and and that's something the ZPU would eventually support. But what about FPGAs today? What about uh, in companies building FPGAs? I guess same goes for GPU. So we are also exploring GPUs running Snarks, Starks, some kind of like hybrid solutions. What happens when you want to run it like on your Mac and the GPU in your Mac? What happens when you want to run it in in browser, right? In in mobile. So there's quite a lot of hardware uh, uh, open questions here yet, and directions to go. And I mean, yeah, I mean we're somewhere. On, on this kind of like spectrum, trying to find what's going to work best for most of the use cases today and support like, these companies building ZKPs. Yeah, so like as uh, you, as we discussed at, uh, above, we want to make sure that uh, the ZK applied developers can pay more attention to building like uh, applications. So so tools like Icicode, uh, the thing you might want to say that that you are working on is right there what we we need. And Omar, can you explain this as brief as you can? What what is this library used for? And what can like uh, developers can use it like uh 
is it a out of box two kit or something like that? So ICL is uh is very simple to explain. Basically, today let's say you have your own like ZK based product and it is running on CPU. You have your customer base, your users, and eventually you're gonna have a pain of scale. Um, that's again like very specific to where we are today in the industry. Um, you want to make it faster. You want to make it like the ZK more power efficient, um, and 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 so on. You need to move to hardware. You need to basically let go of the CPU and start running on specific hardware. Icicle today supports NVIDIA GPUs, and it allows you as a developer, either if you already have an existing ZK uh, protocol working, to port it into GPU. So you basically move uh, one part at a time to run on the GPU and not just on the CPU until you can run everything on the GPU, resulting in you know immediate performance boost. and it eventually would also allow you to work with other types of hardware, but today it's just like this GPU, which is very accessible and easy to program. And I mean, also if you are a researcher and you just want to you know, implement, as I said, like with the AI on CPU paper, which would not happen again here, I do expect that papers would start to build on hardware and to you know, benchmark on hardware. So that's kind of like the way forward. You can take, like, you take components from ICL, combine them in a way like, like Legos and, and build an, a new protocol out of that and then benchmark it. And the API should be very intuitive and simple. Again, like meant for developers like with Rust, Go language and so on um, that should be like familiar with it without the hassle of, oh, that's like under the hood what means what I need to accelerate and so on. So it should be very simple. Um, yeah, I mean, I can talk more about the roadmap for ICL if you want, but that's uh, the basic idea of this library aimed for like any developer that uses ZK and allows you to basically run on, on GPUs. So uh, currently, which ZK online primitive and elliptic curves does ICL support? It seems that uh, it hasn't supported uh, the pasta curve yet. Okay, that, that's very specific, and indeed, pasta curves uh, are in the roadmap. Uh, same as same goes for uh, small field support, um, and, uh, and 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 many other things. So it actually kind of like uh, a blue ocean. We started from supporting snarks in in a sense, um, and and even like before, they're just supporting the primitives like MSM NTT. Uh, hash function in, in a Merkle tree, like, you know, where we usually find like the main bottlenecks. Um, but yeah, going forward, uh, we are going to start supporting uh, both like more primitives, stock uh, provers, um, more protocols, um, make the API better. I mean, for us, API is, is the most important part. Um, there's also work on the uh, algorithm level. So it starts even like lower than elliptical support. You know, modular multiplication is an area where, I mean, it's it's a very old area, like 40 years uh, algorithms, and not much innovation can happen there. But even, even though, like still, when you match this type of like algorithms with like hardware, uh, like 
cutting edge hardware. There are some things you can do to uh, to shave off like uh, some percentage of performance. And because it's lo very low level, you benefit or you gain from it across like the board, like everybody wins, uh, all primitives, all everyone using icicle wins. Then obviously we want to support more elliptic curves um, and, uh, uh, and so on. So uh, there's the, also finally the improvements on the CUDA level, right? So GPU, NVIDIA GPU usually like programmed in CUDA and like there are some lower level stuff. And there are some techniques, I don't know, like graphs that we even uh, that we haven't uh, implemented yet and, and so on. So yeah, there, there's uh, also just, you know, improving the, uh, on, on the CUDA side, like of engineering things. Yeah, that's cool. And I know the ICQ also supports uh, MSM like in G2. And I think it's very useful for some ZK snacks like group 16. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, we do support MSMs G1, G2. Um, there's also this ECNTT, which we once tried to, uh, I mean, uh, we identified as part of ALIO and then we've seen that it's like, you know, it's very common to have this like entity with EC points. Um, like for example, like when we released ICL for the first time, we also released an application. Eventually it's an open source library. Developers can build any application they want, but we wanted to show, you know, one example. So we use dunk sharding, um, uh, you know, Ethereum scaling solution. And we extensively use this like ECMTT uh, thing with 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 that, um, which eventually led to a very nice and promising uh, performance boost. So yeah, uh, there's there's a there are some unique things like I mean right now for example we are looking into sound checks like no one does sound check on 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 GPU, and if you think about it standalone, not sure it even if it even makes sense. But one thing that is like I don't know, an open question for me is can we have a hardware efficient sound check and maybe an isomorphism to that from other type of sound checks, which are very popular today. And the other thing is sometimes even if it's not like optimal or, or, or faster than CPU, if it saves you the um, the round trip, oh, I need to go back to the CPU to do the sound check, then I need to go back to the GPU, to the hardware, and you lose a lot of time on, on this like round trip. So um, even if you just like do it in the GPU, not efficiently, but still it saves you the downtime. Uh, often it's like improves the overall performance of the system. Yeah, so I had a more general question for you. So one part of your partners or customers you are, uh, you are focusing uh, right now is obviously on the ZK rollup scaling side and gradually some ZK rollups are launching their mainnet. And what would Ingoyama prepare for it. Um, or more specific, uh, Scroll just launched their mainnet uh, a few days ago. So they will have a proven network. And how will Ingoyama prepare for this? And how will like how, how will Icicle continue to evolve and to yeah, in which direction? Okay, um, great. Um, so ZK rollups have been uh, one of our like main focus points uh, uh, for a long time. And you know, part of that, even it goes to, if you look at our investors, we have uh, Polygon, Skoll, Starkware, ZK Sync as, as investors. And obviously we are also in very good terms and good friends with Tycoin and, and, and other L2s. Um, therefore, We've been tracking and trying to figure out or answer these questions ourselves for quite some time. 
And you know, Zika rollups are, are often like differ from one another, but there are also many similarities. Um, so we do have projects with um, most of them in different uh, level of maturity. Scroll, as you mentioned, launched mainnet. Now you need to separate between launching mainnet and launching uh, an incentivized and decentralized poor network. So today, proving in, in at least you know when we record it, proving with with uh, Scroll is still centralized. Um, however, it is something we are um, also participating with, right? Like so, we do have um, we do work with them on on understanding better. Uh, the performance that uh, their own native power provides and understanding how differentiating, uh, how much we differentiate from that. Because we started to develop our own small prover uh, some time ago and we have some promising results. It might be good if it's just a different approach, you know, not even like different in performance, but just a different approach with different type of like setup can make it more accessible to different users. So that's one approach just by, you know, releasing our prover would allow uh, maybe to extend the um, uh, who can actually use and run small provers. We might also have some ideas around like prover optimization that I, either small can use in their open source, uh, uh, eventually open source prover, or I don't know, we can just like deploy with some of our partners, right? like mining companies I know are interested, some data centers are interested. Um, Mining pools, I, I even like, you know, we've been, we've been in touch with you. So we need to see how it evolves and who are the stakeholders and are actually interested in participating in this network, eventually understand their setup requirement, right? Like, because I can build a solution, an algorithm, but it will be not accessible by anyone because like too high, too much like the requirements are too high. Um, or I can build something that would actually work with the hardware that people that wants to participate in the network actually have. So that's kind of like our approach. We first partner with people that has access to hardware. And at, at, this, at this point, they are you know, more of like idealists that want to participate in the network. And we do our best to support them right, by whatever means necessary, all the way from like just tailor, tailor solutions to their hardware to open source and contribute to um, eventually the improvement of the prover efficiency overall. Yeah. So. Actually, open source is crucial to onboard developers and education is uh, so as education. So just take NVIDIA as an example. What they did to pave their role for their CUDA ecosystem is huge. So, right. So co cooperate with uh, professors and researchers teams at university is what is how they did it. And I think it's kind of become CUDA has kind of become the standard architecture for GPU clusters. Yeah, I'd love to know what's in Yoyama's strategy for this like developer ecosystem growth. Okay, so it's, uh, I mean, as, as you pointed out, NVIDIA done something amazing uh, with their approach and yeah. building CUDA and making it accessible and, and used by uh, people from academia. I wish we can just play the same playbook, like use the same playbook and and, and run the same. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be that simple, but we definitely try to learn from from the best and and you know copy what we can in terms of education and and practices that uh, that work. Right now, I think going open source is important step. Like I think it's kind of like lowering the barrier. It allows people to review the work, to use it. 
for whatever they want. And it's not just open source, like permissive license. Like I, we don't take any IP in that. Like if you are in academia now, first I encourage you to reach out to us and, and collaborate. But obviously you can just like use this ICL and other tools we've released to explore, to do research in, in Zeek acceleration. That's important, kind of like enabling that. Um, and uh, uh, the other thing we do is that, you know, we try to to be open and inviting as possible. So we want to have this ecosystem, which is active and people feel free to ask questions. Uh, that's kind of like the DNA. I mean, I've worked on open source projects for, for many years now. And that's kind of like the DNA that, that, that I like is that, you know, you have this project it's not owned by anyone, but we do have some advantage in understanding this project and advising others and helping them. So eventually it's about helping communities, ecosystems um, on different parts of the map of ZK to just onboard and start to use uh, these tools, uh, these software tools. I know that hardware would come easily afterwards because once you already use um, you know, like the, the CUDA equivalent uh, of, of ZK, like stuff that we try to build maybe, um, then changing into another hardware is relatively, uh, I mean, I mean, if you change to another hardware that obeys the same software, um, it's, it's definitely going to be an easy transition and also can be economically viable in many ways because you just like give someone a better hardware to use. So yeah, I mean, I hope that hardware would follow after software work. So we do put a lot of work onto software education, making it accessible. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I think we can continue to talk to talk, but now I think it's almost about time. So yeah, you as the co-founder and CEO of Ingoyama, why don't you just share your vision of Ingoyama as today's ending? So. One thing that uh, I can share is that uh, for us as a company, it, it's very important to not hold the technology close to us or you know to be influenced by geopolitics and, and, and geography in general. We have investors across from across the world. We have many investors, we have many companies, yes. uh, big companies that are, have a lot of stake in ZK that um, are working with us. And I think this is like part of eventually building a product that would help with, again, like getting this technology, like remove decentralization, remove centralized points, uh, help privacy. I need, this is the, I think this is the type of consensus that we need. This is the type of buy-in that we want. And I'm very happy to see it like plays out so far. And again, uh, when it comes to, uh, to a vision here, I mean, for me, it's super important that we'll continue this as, you know, kind of like a global effort um, and, and collaboration to uh, to push this front. I really believe in this mission, and I really think that, uh, like, some of the examples I give, this technology can can matter, can change. I mean, you said Nobel Prize, not sure if I go that far, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely it's something that would move the needle and would change how things are being done and, and would uh, eliminate elements of corruption. And yeah, I mean, we just want to to make it, to, to see it happen. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, appreciate it. And thank you for coming here. Yeah, so goodbye. Bye-bye.